This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big ball. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Pacers all over the Sixers right now, 59-44. Joel Embiid was kind of walking gingerly before. Uh, looks like he's still back out there on the court. So, Good. But he was uh, he was looking like he was a little bit... You know, you see a guy, you're like, is it knee? No, he's bending over. Oh, is it his back? But it looks like he's out there, so good. Uh, spinal. Sp- it's, it's spinal. <laughs> spinal. Uh, Nick's right now 25-12 also on the Nuggets, but one of the most beautiful passes I've seen from Nicole Jokic just happened. Literally the whole, like, eyes in the back of the head thing. Yeah. He's posting up, stops, takes the ball, and just throws it over his head with two hands and finds Aaron Gordon for a dunk. It's just like, you watch him and you go, how? How do you do this? Yeah, it's crazy. How, how was somebody built? Think of all the big men we have in the NBA right now. Every single one of them, you look and go, how do you do it? They're either stretched out, look real skinny like Gumby, or you got Nicole Jokic and Dad Bod, and they're all just incredible. Same Speaking thing, of, Embiid did bad Dad Bod. Yeah. yeah. In a way, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Speaking of Dad, you know, there's no moment better. There's nothing I love to see more than when we watch League Pass and you just see a dad and his son or a dad and his daughter or a mom and her son just hit a ball game together. I love it. Look at, at you garden. getting all nostalgic over well. there. Yeah, I'd love to take my kid to a game, but, you know. You're here instead. Yeah, I get home at midnight. Because that's what happens. That's where we were headed. Yeah, I, kn- oh, I knew, I knew it. A, oh, I knew the road I knew we were taking. I knew there was something that was I know happening. the road we're taking every single time. I was like, this time. is way too sweet <laughs> and <laughs> charming. What? There's always a zing, zing mm. at the end. There was no zing. <laughs> there was a son and his dad, and they were enjoying the game at MSG, and it looked like a great moment. <laughs> I just I thought I missed my kid, you know. Dan Miller is was, the voice. Do you have a kid? Stop it. He's just going down the sad voice are you good ryan are you good you'll be all right do you let's need talk a hug? some lions do you need a hug i'll, I'll give okay. you a hug do you yeah. want a hug come here no do you no. want do you don't, don't, don't touch do there's too, too many germs around yeah, this damn true, yeah. studio nobody breathe on anybody yeah. dan miller's the voice of the lions jumps on with us now uh and what has been i'm assuming a magical ride just being around this team being a part of it calling these games just give us kind of just the overall like what has it been like to be a part of something so historic for this organization well, it's been pretty incredible, in particular when you've been through the things that this fan base has been through. And, you know, my 19 years of doing play-by-play them is a fraction of, of what some of these fans have dealt with over a lifetime. And um, it, it's just, number one, it's great to see the success for the team, the organization, a group of people that are doing it the right way, uh, that had a plan and stuck to it. And, and it's a good plan, and it's you're seeing the the fruits of their labor. And then just really the fans man that's what i've told people a million times the best part of my job is seeing fans happy and that just doesn't happen hasn't happened enough during my time of doing play-by-play for the lions but you know since the beginning of this year they had sold out season tickets for the first time uh before the season started that's the first time it had ever happened so it's been electric inside that building all year long and then these two playoff games getting them both at home and kind of having things break right so you got that second one at home it's just been off the charts. I mean, it's been so loud in there. Both, you know, the Rams and the Bucks walked out of there saying that's one of the craziest atmospheres they'd ever been in. And these fans have been a factor. They're loving what they're seeing. It's been a lot of fun. 
October 30th, 2022, I was at that game, Dolphins-Lions. That felt to me like the beginning of something really good. They lost 31-27, but we're up a lot of that game. I don't know if you remember that one. That's when it felt like, to me, that the Lions felt like they could be for real. Uh, When did that happen for you? Like, when did you in your mind know that this team was going to be as good as they are or if you did know and then how much pressure do you think that they carry with them considering this is the first successful team that they've had in this century well it's kind of an inflection point when you bring up that game because that is actually you go you go back to that date the Lions have not lost two games in a row since that date and that's pretty good in the NFL that's hard to do um they have that put them at one and five when they lost that game and uh, after that game, their owner, Sheila Hamp, came out and doubled down on the head coach and the general manager. And people were starting to wonder at that point. They'd been 313 and won their first year. They were 1 and 5 after that Miami game. But she came out, doubled down on them, said, We're rebuilding this thing. We knew it was going to be tough. We took it down to the studs and we're building it back up. We believe in what we're doing. We're seeing some results, even if the final scores aren't indicating that in terms of wins and losses. Then they went out and lost the next week, and you're like, oh, man, we've seen this before. And then they started winning, and they won 8 out of, eight out of 10 to close the season. So I think that was the first time that we started to believe that there was something really good happening here. And then I think that there's, there's that question of if you're going to come back this year and build on what you did last year, or you're just going to kind of fade back into 500 or something below that, and they come out on opening night and beat the Chiefs. You know, I understand the Chiefs didn't have a couple of guys, but you went into Kansas City on a night that they hung the banner and the season opened and you beat them. And that was a big deal for this football team. Now, came back, lost the next week to Seattle, but they got on a roll after that. And, you know, just the way they've started this season, the way they've played on the road where they've been 6-3, and three, uh, the growth that you've seen in the young players. And I think every step they take is just proof of where they are and more confidence for this team and, there have been a lot of them this year from winning a division for the first time in 30 years to having a home playoff game for the first time in 30 years to winning a playoff game for the first time in 32 years uh, to having two home playoff games for the first time in the history of the franchise. They're just checking boxes as they go. And every one they check just, you know, gives you more belief pressure. Look, I don't know if there's any more pressure. Um, these guys getting a win over the Rams was probably massive pressure. I think, They all wanted to do it just to get that monkey off their back. They wanted to do it for Jared Goff. They wanted to do it for these fans. Then they come out and do it again. So uh, I'm sure like every team in the league, they feel some of that. But I think it also, the fact that they've had success in the postseason has allowed them to relax a little bit. And now you go into San Francisco where they know it's going to be a heck of a test and a heck of a team that's in front of them. But look, they've played good teams. They've played well on the road this year. I think they go in there comfortable. And, and ready to play, and I think they'll they'll put on a good show. I think they're going to play really well. Do you think a higher-scoring game favors the Lions or maybe a lower-scoring game? Because I think everybody thinks this is a bad matchup for the Lions on the defensive side of the ball, but, I mean, I don't know. They could get after the quarterback, especially Hutchinson, and we see Purdy uh, sensitive to pressure, and they're pretty good against the run, so you could maybe take away Christian McCaffrey here. You know, Who do you think that favors, or, or what favors the Lions, yeah. I should say? Higher-scoring game, shootout, or a lower-scoring game where they can control the clock and run the ball a little bit? You know, every time I think I know, it becomes the opposite. You know, every time I think this is going to be a shootout and we're going to see, you know, 41-40 or something like that, it tends to go the opposite way. Look, I, I, I tend to think the Lions are going to need to get some stops in this game. That's a really good San Francisco defense. Uh, I don't know if you're going to, you know, hang 40 on it or something like that. 
So I think you're going to need to find a way to get San Francisco off the field, maybe see if they can get a couple of takeaways in this game and, and hand the 49ers some empty possessions. It's Look, this is, this is the team along with Philadelphia that people have looked at as being the best in the NFC for much of the season. So, you know, full respect for them. I just don't know if it's, if it's realistic to think that you're going to go in there and just, you know, score with each possession, which the Lions have done in some games. And they'll get on a run and they'll get hot and put up a lot of points. Um, they're a little beat up on the offensive line, probably not going to have Jonah Jackson for this one. So that's a pro bowl guard that won't be in there. So, um, I, I really think to your point, there is a strength for San Francisco in terms of their passing game that matches up with an area where the lions are struggling right now, which is stopping people in the passing game. But it's been interesting. They've given up a ton of yards at times, but not a ton of points. And I think it's going to have to be one of those days. I think they're going to have to keep this thing in the twenties probably is the way I envision it. Maybe it comes out different, but I just don't know if it's realistic to think that you're just going to keep, you know, pounding the scoreboard against this defense. Talking to the voice of the Lions, Dan Miller. Uh, we were talking about Jamison Williams earlier, and obviously we know the talent that's there. Had a you know, tough start to his career between injuries and the suspension and, and all those things. But the talent is there. Uh, the matchup for Sam Laporta against those 49ers linebackers. Feels like an opportunity where the 49ers can obviously take him out of the game somewhat to a point. I mean, we we know that those that's some of the best in the NFL, which, and I'll credit Ryan on this, he was the first one that was really on this, an opportunity for somebody like Jamison Williams out of the slot to maybe get some opportunities. Do you think that we may see more in terms of targets for Jamison Williams this weekend? Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, it, it, look, this offense between... Gibbs, Montgomery, Reynolds, Amon-Ra, J-Mo, um, you know, Laporta, they take whatever the defense wants to give them. And I think that's really where golf has become comfortable. So if you're trying to take something away, I mean, it's, it's really hard to take away Laporta and Amon-Ra. So pick your poison there. And then if you want to take away both of those, which, again, that, that's not really likely. It's difficult to do. Um, they have other guys. I mean, look at the first quarter Reynolds had against the Rams that got him off to a great start. You want to let Gibbs be one-on-one with a linebacker out there, that's a problem. And, and they can run the ball, and, and Demo can catch it out of the backfield as well. So, look, J-Mo is doing all the right things for this team. I mean, his attitude is great. His work ethic is great. And I think ultimately that's going to translate into more production for him. Um, and we're seeing him make tougher catches week by week in traffic, doing things that we hadn't seen earlier in the year. Wouldn't shock me if at some point here this week, hopefully in two weeks plus, there's a breakout game for him. But uh, I just I just love what I see from him. I see him after practice working hard. I just see him doing all the right things. And uh, to your point, there's so much talent there. Sooner or later, that's going to pay off. And um, he's doing everything they're asking him to do right now. It's 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 an offense that's got a lot of options, and Jared Goff is really good at figuring out which one you're going to give him on a given play. I think a lot of people were puzzled by the Jameer Gibbs draft pick, and it turns out it's uh, just been awesome. And uh, it's been a dynamic duo that they've been. From your perspective, which running back do you think has the best matchup against this Niners team? It feels like maybe it's David Montgomery, considering that Aaron Jones was able to just run right down the throat of San Francisco's defense, shockingly, last week. But I'd love to hear from you who you think uh, the matchup benefits the most. You know, if you look at at the history with these two, it's hard to separate them. I mean, certainly Gibbs has proven that he can run between the tackles. 
and, and we know that, that David Montgomery can. Uh, Gibbs, obviously, terrific catching the ball in the flat and out in the passing game. Um, and the way that they utilize them, they'll figure out which one is running better. I, I, I can make a case for both of them, to be honest with you. And, and you know, Gibbs is, is just terrific in all phases of the game. And Montgomery, you know, when they need tough yards, he's the guy that gets it for them. And, um, yeah, I, I, we watched that Packer game, and we saw what Aaron Jones did. And Aaron Jones is obviously a tremendously gifted player. And um, the Lions, if they can get that kind of running game going, that's obviously going to benefit them greatly because if you put this thing back on golf, if they don't have the running game, then it gets difficult if you're one-dimensional. So, you know, I, I can make a case for both of them, and it's, it's not dodging the question. It's just this year it's really been by committee, and both these guys have been really good for this football team. You know, they're both scoring touchdowns. They're both racking up yards. Sometimes they do it in different ways, but they've been kind of working in lockstep here, and they feed off each other, and, and it's been a big part of uh, of what's happened here in Detroit. And, and that's what they envisioned last year. A lot of people, as you said, questioned that draft pick to, to the point where people were getting personal on draft night. Does Brad Holmes know what he's doing? But it, um, you know, when they flipped that running back room, you know, from Swift and Jamal last year to this group this year, I think this is what they had in mind. And, and obviously it has been very, very good for them. Yeah, and the offensive line's been so dang good. Um, you know, you've seen both of these teams. If the Lions are able to pull off the upset, they're seven-point underdogs, they would see either, obviously either the Chiefs or the Ravens, whoever wins the AFC championship game. And the Lions got blown out by the Ravens like most teams did, and they beat the Chiefs all the way back week one in a game that we forget about. Who would you rather see? Would you rather see the rematch with the Chiefs, or would you rather get another shot at Baltimore? Is that really a choice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, neither look, are fun. <laughs> I, no, and, and look, both those teams are great. They both present different problems, and, and you're right. We uh, went to Baltimore earlier this season, and they just handed us our hat. I mean, they were terrific. And, you know, I think the Lions giving another shot at them, I don't think it would end up being that type of game. I think that was an off day for Detroit. Great day for Baltimore. Full credit to them. They took the Lions out of everything that they wanted to do, but that really hasn't happened very much over the last season and a half to this team. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, a huge difference. I personally think Baltimore probably wins that game. I just think it's their time. Uh, I think they're at home. I think that's one of the reasons you earned that. Um, and, and it just seems to me that, that while Rice has come on, Kansas City hasn't been the same explosive team this year that maybe we've seen in the past. Um, so, look, Man, if we get there, the Lions have never been to a Super Bowl. I'm not going to quibble over who we're playing. So you can <laughs> bring anybody from the AFC you want to bring. And if we get there, we'll be more than happy to see them. And either way, it's going to be a huge test against, you know, a, a battle-tested team in Kansas City with a couple rings or Baltimore that seems like they're on that kind of run this year where they'd be destined to get one. So. Man, just if you're telling me we're going to get through Sunday, I won't worry about who we're playing after that. Tell you what, it's been a hell of a story watching it from the outside. Have a great call this weekend. Dan Miller, voice of the Lions. Thanks for your time, man. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, it really is just like when you think about it, putting everything aside, like just this is sports, right? Like that. Haven't won a playoff game since 1991. And they're a win away from the Super Bowl. And I think like... Man, I would love to see Detroit and Baltimore just because we're going to be there. I think those would be the two fan bases that would be the most fun. Yeah, we lost out on Buffalo. Yeah. We know that would have been the number one fan base to have in Vegas. But I want to party with D12. (laughs) I guess we would probably have Eminem there somewhere. So it's BetMGM tonight. 
Tristan, Nick, and Ryan are taking a break to catch up on their bets. Don't go anywhere. There's plenty more on BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. We're back with Trista, Ryan, and Nick on BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. 73-61, Pacers over the Sixers at halftime. Good God, they put up 73. Uh, Joel Embiid's got 19. Nick's up 48-29 in the Nuggets right now. 6.26 to go in the second quarter there. We want more! Yeah, more Knicks. I My love Knicks. it, guys. As Trista just said right before we get, came back, she goes, this Knicks team is good. And I said, yep. I love hearing people say it. It's been As Detroit Lions fans will understand, when your team that you love is really bad for a really long time, to just feel like a credible organization again, with some semblance of hope, is a great place to be. Yeah, it is. I feel like I'm about to start. As a Portland Trailblazers fan, that, like, journey of not being good for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a rebuild. It's, it's It ain't easy. It's not an easy thing to watch, folks. On every, any given night, you could just get crushed. Although we did beat some team in overtime last night. I forget who it was. But then you lost by 70 not too long ago. 60. What was it, 62? I, mean, okay. I, I bet on that night. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's the roller coaster you <laughs> yeah, go on. Come on exactly, now. Exactly. They were on the right side in that game. That's a bad beat. It was a bad beat. Right side, right side. 50-2 <laughs> to scoring run. There it was a go. bad beat, boss. All right, Rob Brown jumps on with us. Bet for the cycle, of course. The fan upstate as well. We haven't had you on since the Jim Harbaugh news yet. He is the Chargers head coach. Raheem Morris now is going to coach in Atlanta instead. So I guess no Bill Belichick this year, huh? So... I said on Saturday, and I thought Cody Decker was going to try to choke me out through my laptop. Like, good. Respect for everything Belichick's done, but my man is a dinosaur at this part. Like, he mm -hmm. runs an archaic system. I think at this point, it, it, it is not a super hot take to say that it was Brady, not Hoodie, right? Hoodie didn't coach that team well. Hoodie made sure everything was lined up for Tom Brady to get what Tom Brady needed to be great. I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen. Desmond Ritter, level or two behind Tom Brady. So I just, I don't know that he would have been able to, to, to orchestrate the same success. Shocking, I know. So what do you think happens with the Seahawks and the Commanders? You think it's as simple as what everyone's saying, where it's going to be Ben Johnson is just, we're waiting for the Lions to finally lose, and then what happens in Seattle? Yeah, it's, it's weird how quiet specifically the Washington job has been, right? Like, Seattle in the same way. Honestly, I'm the, the, the only thing that's more surprising than that is the fact that Mike Vrabel has, like, just gotten his interview. We came out last night that Carolina was going to interview Vrabel today, and then before the day's even over, uh, they end up with their new head coach and Dave Canellis. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised that one of those two teams is being quiet unless both of them are just – they believe it's going to be a bidding war for Ben Johnson, which it might, it might very well be. I think you're likely going to end up with one of them getting Ben Johnson. The other one's either going to get Bobby Slowick or Mike Vrabel. I'm just not sure which one of those teams really wants to, to, to kind of shift to the offensive identity. I mean, obviously you had Pete Carroll in Seattle, so it wouldn't be a huge difference. 
But Washington under Ron Rivera, you know, I'm interested to see what this Josh Harris ownership group does because they seem committed to really revamping. Like, don't be shocked if we don't have the commanders anymore in the future. So, you know, I don't know what that identity is for Washington yet. I don't know with the new ownership kind of what direction they want to go in. They have a clean slate, maybe more so than any other team in the NFL. So, yes, I think Johnson ends up coaching one of them. The other one's probably going to either be Slowick or Vrabel, and then one of them is going to be left out in the cold. You also got Ezra Evero floating out there as well, right? D.C. from Carolina. Carolina's defense last year, despite having to support maybe the worst offense in the NFL in the last five or six years, Carolina's defense was good. Uh, I think you got to keep an eye on maybe him getting another opportunity now uh, as well with one of those two. But, I mean, if you, I think if you're Carolina, you're very happy you're going to keep that guy. The other ones, we're up in the air. We're waiting. Quick follow-up. Do you believe that they're going to change the commander's name? Because that's what that sounded like. I would not be surprised. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, it's a definite. It's a, I'm not even going to say it's probable. I'm just going to say I wouldn't be surprised by it. Like, here we are a number of years down the line. I have yet to find a Commanders fan who, like, loves that name, feels attached to that name. It just always kind of felt like a generic, create a character, pop it into Madden, and, and that's the unlicensed exhibition team you play. So, yes, I see hands up in the peanut gallery. I wouldn't be shocked if if the Harris organization doesn't want to move everything they can that ever touched Dan Snyder away from that team, and I would not be shocked about a rebrand. I don't hate it. Here's the one thing I'll say. I'm just tired of them changing names because I don't know what to call my team anymore or what to talk about, what to say about them and what year and when it's been. So just let's just pick a name and get it over with. But you're right. Nobody actually loves it. But I'll just say this before Ryan goes here. Uh, you're never going to pick a name for a team that everybody will be happy with, guaranteed. No, you can't, right? Like, I, all right, so I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan, right? Yeah. Now, that's there's a connection there. There's a connection there. The state bird of Louisiana is the brown Pelican. It's the Pelicans, yada, yada, yada. But they rolled out that brand with a Pelican, and the colors red, blue, and gold because – reasons right and at the beginning everybody hated it and now it's kind of grown and it may have even kind of started as like we like it ironically it's so bad that we kind of embraced it but now the Pellies are like that's the brand everybody's on board with that the commanders haven't done that right like it's been multiple years and I don't have any commanders buddies who are super jacked up about that <laughs> name uh, I'm gonna give you the cheat code just go back to being the football team. That was the greatest name in NFL history. No. Just bring oh, it back. No. Yeah, it was. Bring it no. back. Yeah, it was. It's the best. Tell him. It's the best. Oh. He's, he's right, though. No, Football team is a great football name. Football team versus football Cowboys. Makes no sense. Sounds terrible. Get out of here. It's the worst. It's lazy. It's uncreative. <laughs> I hate it. We don't have time to get into this no. argument. You and I are going to have to have this conversation on our own, damn it. Yeah. You're going to rile me up on this. I hate that damn name. All right, Rob. Let's head over to <laughs> Sunday. All right, we got a big game. Let's start with the AFC big Championship game. game. The narrative on Lamar was he couldn't win the playoff games. You know what he did? He shaked it off, shook it off. All right? Now you got the Chiefs and the Ravens, maybe a little bit of bad blood. Are you rooting for the anti-hero, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, or are you going to cheer for Lamar and the boys? Three-and-a-half-point favorites, total 44-and-a-half. That was some Taylor Swift. Like Wait, makes sense. wait, wait. You, you missed a perfect opportunity to say what's the total? 44 and 40, a half. You should have stopped without the half. You should have said 44. The half of that is 22. Are you feeling? 
Boo. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. We can look at the trends. The last time these. The last time these these teams played, it was back to December. Anyway, who do you like in the game, Rob? It's the Chiefs. I want to just tell uh, old Scotty back there, that's a good joke, man. Let the haters hate, 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 hate. And you shake it off. Now. You're doing it. All right? I'm proud of you. Just shake um, it off, look, Scott. Just shake it off. I go there it is. late. I, I love Lamar. Dates. Yeah, me too. No, I don't want to talk anymore. I just want you to keep performing. This is fantastic radio. I love it. <laughs> but uh, I keep... No, no, don't you don't. encourage him. Don't encourage him. <laughs> I, uh, I love Lamar. I'm glad that he was able to shake off the narrative. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop at some point. I'm glad he got there. Uh, but I also look at the Kansas City, ga- uh, Kansas City game. I was texting back and forth with Cody Decker, my co-host on Saturdays, about that show, or about that game on Saturday. And it felt like it was Josh Allen's day, right? And Josh Allen's doing everything right, except for he's got receivers dropping footballs, and he's he's got uh, Sean McDermott being the most cowardly head coach in the playoffs so far. And Deck texted me at one point, because I was on Bills minus two and a half, and I was on the over in that game. And I'm like, man, he's going to do it. Josh Allen finally going to get over the curse. And Deck goes, no, he's not a good – he's going to lose. And I said, why? And he said, because that's the Chiefs, right? And I hate cliches. I think in this job, you should be able to look at the X's and O's and say, this is why a team won. This is why a team lost. This is why what's happening is happening. But damn it, if that doesn't feel like it's right, it's just the Chiefs, man. Like, they have become what Brady and the Pats – used to be it doesn't mean they're going to win everything but it means it does take a herculean effort to get by him the good news is lamar is kind of my dog like lamar is kind of that guy he's kind of him right now uh and i think it's gonna take a very similar game out of lamar jackson it's gonna take a buck 75 and a couple of tutties through the air it's gonna take 90 plus on the ground it's gonna take making sure that the kansas city defensive line cannot harass him like they did josh allen and most importantly and you may want to write this down stefan Diggs. the most important part is you got to catch the football when it hits you in the hands in stride 45 (laughs) yards down the field that does help i've done the research it's true it's just the Stephon Diggs Josh Allen roller coaster has been something that is I, I, I never honestly I, I never get enough of it because you watch it and you just say it just they keep saying everything's cool everything's cool and then there's another fight there's something else and look I get it I, I think the Bills are a team that has a lot to do this offseason but if you look at where we are right now in the four teams that are left What's the team if I said you got to pick one to win the Super Bowl and you maybe already bet them, but we're going to start fresh and we're going to say right now from what we've seen, you got a new bet, bonus bet, whatever it is. What's the team you have the most confidence in right now heading into this weekend that comes out on top winning that Super Bowl? You know, this answer, if Debo Samuel is playing, is San Francisco. Right. And 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 mm-hmm. I agree. We did this whole thing on my show this week about a couple of weeks ago when Cam Newton said that Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott and Jared Goff and all these guys were their game managers, not game changers. And a lot of people got real up in their feels about that. But it's true, right? I like Brock Purdy, but he's a game manager who's surrounded by an incredible amount of talent. But to me, Debo Samuel is the key that unlocks that whole thing, right? Like Debo Samuel's the guy that stretches defense. He gets them out of shapes by how versatile he is being able to go everywhere. And then, oh yeah, that McCaffrey guy can do the same thing. And he's pretty damn good as well. If Debo plays, I love Jared Goff. I love the Lions. I am all for a Cinderella story. Lord knows I'm a Saints fan. I live for the underdog. 
But if Debo plays, San Francisco cannot lose this game at home. They not only can't lose this game at home, but if Debo plays and he tells me for the Super Bowl, I love Lamar, I love the Chiefs. There's just too too much offensive and defensive power. I think we've seen a lot of teams that throw really good offenses, but they carry very mid or below defenses into the Super Bowl and vice versa. I think San Francisco probably has a defense that flies under the radar because of how explosive their offense is. Like, this might be the most well-balanced team we have seen in a Super Bowl in a long time. So if Debo plays this weekend, I would hammer the San Francisco 49ers. If he does not play, I still like San Francisco at home. I'm a little dicey on Detroit to cover. I understand that Jared Goff is that guy right now, but good God is their talent in San Francisco. And like they get, they, they had ring rust last week. We all saw it, right? I mean, the, they it took a minute to get that knocked off. Now they have. I'm riding with the 49ers right now. What are some props that you've already bet for these games? Uh, George Kittle and then George Kittle again and then probably George Kittle again. I like a Kittle anytime. I like Kittle over receiving yards. I love this guy. And again, there's a little bit of me that acknowledges I'm banking on that bet on Debo not playing, right? Like if Debo's out, we saw that last week. Debo comes in, he's got two grabs, he goes down with the shoulder. George Kittle becomes the monster that you run up the seam to keep everybody in shape. I love George Kittle. Uh, I'm all over Jameer Gibbs too. Like I think Jameer Gibbs had a little bit of a coming out party last week. And I think if you're Detroit, you lean on him. The only thing that scares me about that is if San Francisco knocked off the ring rust, and if they come out and score quickly, Detroit might have to get away from the run a little more quickly than they would like to, right? And that that scares me uh, a little bit. But I think you can also go over the passing total with Jared Goff because of that. I, I think if San Francisco's going to jump up early, and I believe they will, now Detroit's got to throw the ball. So now Jared Goff and now Amon Ross St. Brown have their overages in play as well. So I'm probably going to look at playing Kittle. I'm probably going to look at the Detroit Lions passing numbers all over the field because I do think they are going to end up with their back against the wall, and I do think they're going to have to start slinging it in the second half, and that might prop those numbers up a little bit. Rob, still got about a minute or so here left uh, in college, Michigan. Obviously now no more Jim Harbaugh. Do you think they will be rated in the transfer portal at all? Do you think that promoting from within will keep that from happening? What's next for Michigan? I mean, I, I can't confirm it, but I've been told that there is a fleet of Brinks trucks that is headed up whatever interstate goes to Ann Arbor right now. So I would not be sure. Look, if Alabama can get rated the way Alabama got rated, yes, Ann Arbor can be rated the exact same way. If you're going to raid Nick Saban's cabinet, you can raid Jim Harbaugh's. Now, I do think it helps, and I think that you saw with the emotion that was attached to the folks that were in that office when Jim Harbaugh was suspended, not just the first but the second time last year, hashtag asterisk on the national championship. Yes, that's going to help. But if they can get robbed in Alabama, Michigan can too. Good luck, Ann Arbor. Good luck. And guess who's the beneficiary of that, Rob? Tell them. Tell them. I mean, it's going to be Mike Norvell and your 13-0 national champions, the Florida State Seminoles. Am I right, baby? <laughs> Let's go! That's No, that's not what we were oh, going yeah. for. Sorry. It, Sorry. Yeah, you you know it's my Oregon Ducks. Uh, yeah, I don't, Ohio Quack. State rated a little bit, too. They may go right out. Ohio State, I'm sure, would love to rate a few players from Michigan. Rob Brown, bet for the cycle. The fan upstate. Always good, buddy. You guys are the best. See y'all next week. Wouldn't that be great if you're Ohio State? You're like, yeah, let's get as many Michigan players as we can. If I was Ohio State, I'd say, Ryan Day, you're effing out. Mike Vrabel, 
Come home. You're effing in, Ryan Day. Yeah, yelling at my old know, senior citizen ball coach. You know how it is, though. It's a big difference between working year-round and recruiting and doing all that. Yeah, Rabel don't want versus that. The NFL. Yeah, no, he, he don't wants, want that job. He wants a general manager doing that kind of stuff. Rabel may be sitting out a year, too. I think Dan Quinn goes to Seattle and Ben Johnson goes to Washington. I think Vrabel and Horvat weekdays, <laughs> 11 to 3. Jim Rome, you're effing out, bro. FGM tonight. Let the conversation continue with Ryan, Trista, and Nick and BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. <laughs> The Celtics put up 77 points in the first half on the Heat. 77-64 at halftime. 17 points for Porzingis. 14 for Tatum. 17 for Jalen Brown. And Derek White's got 12. So if you had to say, okay, you only get three All-Stars out of the Celtics, which you can make the case for four, Mm -hmm. who are they? Jason Tatum. Yes. Sure. Yeah, he made the starting team. (laughs) Yes. Jalen Brown. Yep. So you're making him starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're making him a, an all-star. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Brown. Um, I, Porzingis has been great. I know. For them this I year. like Porzingis. I really but like you Porzingis. But you can make you can make the case for, for Derek, Derek White. I would say well. Derek White's the best player in the league. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I bet it's props he is. I mean, I remember when the Celtics traded for Derek White, and I just kept thinking to myself, that's an absolute steal. People don't realize how good Derek White is. But he was in San Antonio. It was like Dejounte Murray. Nobody paid attention. And, I mean, Murray's not as good as he was in San Antonio. That's all other conversation. Probably going to get traded anyway, but you're right. Derek White now having an extended role with the Celtics has really almost been like having an addition without getting that addition, right? They trade away Marcus Smart. Derek White gets more minutes, more opportunities, and he's taken advantage of it. And he has he's played like an all-star. Yeah, and you ended up getting a first-round pick for him. And then you end up trading to get Drew Holiday with that first-round pick. So it's been... Electric and honestly, Drew Holiday is worth a look mm-hmm. pretty much every year for All Star. They could have five All Stars, the the Celtics, and yet they still probably won't make the finals. Derek Don't White, th- uh, I think they do. <laughs> I, I kind of, I'm talking myself into Boston winning. The yes, he's doing year. it again. Yeah. <laughs> Three years now, yeah. he won't stop. Boston, Denver, NBA Finals. Write it down. Take a picture. Oh, really quick, Jalen Brunson, my all-star starter, Bucks fans. Suck it. He's got 13 points. He's four of six from the floor. Very efficient, mind you. And he's got three dimes. And guess how many turnovers? Oh, never mind. He's got two. Not 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 the not the ratio I was looking for. Plenty of time, though. Plenty of time. And all that matters, my Knicks up 62-41 on the nugget. Your Knicks little line. Coming over to my side of things now. Yeah. I like any team that wins me money. There you go. And the teams that don't win me money, I hate you. Hate all of you. I think that's fair. Except think... for the uh, Chicago Cubs. Can't quit them. Can't <laughs> Ain't quit nothing them. wrong with that, boy. Can't quit them. I could quit the Bulls, though. Haven't watched a Bulls game in three weeks. My life has been much better. Really? Three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Unless I'm in here. Then I, like, well, that's have to different. keep an eye on you them, you know? Up, yeah. check up well, the... on them? I don't even, like, look at the box score anymore. I don't. Sometimes I forget that they're on, you know? I have There's league pass still. That. I just... Sometimes Amanda will be like, hey, don't you want to watch the Bulls? Nope. So Not you're emotionally boycotting them is what you're doing. Yes. Okay. Yes. How long is that going to last, you think? Until... They trade. So make some trades. Until they're at least a top three seed in the East. No. So it's going to be a few years Call me bandwagon. Then. I don't care. Bandwagon Horvy. I hate this team. I just like... They're not likable, in my opinion. And they haven't been for a long time. Well, two years ago, they were likable for the first half of the season. And then... Uh, when they had Lonzo Ball Lonzo still out there. Her. Yep. Yeah, man. 
I keep hearing these like stories and seeing these reports that he's like running, he's moving around a little bit. Yeah. I just I don't think it's ever gonna happen. In the water. I, I hope he yeah. does come back, man. That's brutal if it's just one of these you know, then it turns Sucks. out to be like a uh um my god, I'm having a brain fart. Your guy from Portland. Sam Bowie. No, 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 no. Oh, Greg Oden. No, jeez. There's so many. Oh, there's Brandon so many. Roy. Thank Roy. you, God. Brain See fart. See how bad god. it is yeah. for me? Yeah, I know. That's what's crazy. You just went through one after the other. But Brandon Roy, I mean, what a I don't think people realize how great Brandon Roy was because the career was just so short. That guy was incredible, and it's just knee issues just ruined it. Yeah. Somebody asked him one time how much of his meniscus was left, and he said 10%. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That's insane. For people who aren't doctors, the meniscus is that just that sheath covering your kneecap <laughs> that's supposed to, like, oil it all up, make the, the bending of that joint smooth, and once it's gone... There's just no there's no cushion for the pushing. Got to find got to find some way to replace and get artificial meniscus. Yeah, I think it's like menisci. 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 I think it is. Okay. I think it's like some artificial menisci out there. It sounds medically. So I guess we'll go with it. So all right, you guys want to take a look at some more props for this weekend? Let's do it. Let's do a little prop or flop as we jump in here. I know we've already bet a few as the week is yo go has gone on. We've had they they posted early, they got up there early. You know, somebody we haven't talked about yet, and we normally do is Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. And it's interesting because the San Francisco 49ers are actually very good at defending the deep ball. 20-plus yards downfield, air yards, they are one of the best in the NFL defending that. The problem is the Lions only do that 7% of the time. So I feel like here you could still look at Amon Ross Brown and say maybe receptions. Where you sit, it's it, I think it's even money right now. It's seven and a half, so it is a big number. But I mean, if you go back and look at the last few weeks, I mean, he's right there. It's a sharp number, right? Eight against Tampa, seven, seven, six, then twelve back against Minnesota. Going back, obviously, to the regular season. But there may be opportunities here with some underneath plays, right? You talked about guys yeah. out of the slot, even with the Jamison Williams. If you don't have the middle open with all the linebackers the 49ers have, that might be the way to get Amon Ross St. Brown involved in the offense a little bit different as opposed to trying to throw the ball deep against the 49ers team that can really stop it. Yeah, I agree. I also like the yards. We were talking about that with James Coe. Over 85 and a half receiving yards. This is one of those situations, though, where I would probably go with the same game parlay and then maybe go 70. Drop it you know, down. Drop yeah. it to 70. Yep. I ended up getting Which, spooked. by the way, real quick, though, I did that last week. And, it was the only and I went to hit, 70. Right? And it went and went to. And it, no, the parlay did end up hitting. No, I'm saying that. Yeah. And that hit, but anything over yes. that would not have I hit. I took 70 plus, and he had 77. Yes. And so I was like, thank God I did that. Yeah, so I, I think that 84. Oh, and it's now down to 84 and a half as we speak. It has gone from 85 and a half to 84 and a half, like in the last 30 seconds. It's now juice minus 120 to the over. So I think fast. that those that number might continue to creep down. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, probably it goes down. That's what I would say there. Yeah. I saw it at 86 and a half when I was talking to James, when we were talking to James Coe. It's gone down two full yards in you the last hour. We talk about stuff on the show and they move the lines. We're sharpers. Happened multiple times on, with this. Yeah. Just, you know us, market movers. <laughs> yeah. eighty. So it's 84 and a half right now, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Minus 120. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet a couple things. I didn't do anything there. I bet, um, all right, so. You like Ayuk? I do. I didn't. I didn't play that though. 
I, I it's a big number. It man. is. It is eighty. Yeah, I didn't do that one. I went. Hasn't moved. Mm. I went over on Christian McCaffrey, and I still like that at thirty six and a half minus one twenty. I don't think Debo plays. If he does, I don't think he's going to be fully healthy. McCaffrey went over both uh, times. It even had seven receptions against the Packers last week, but only for thirty yards. I like Jamison Williams over twenty seven and a half yards. I did that over the receptions because the receptions are priced two and a half. And, and I he's mean, been having two, like, the last four games. Yeah, I'd rather just go with the yards because he's only going to run a couple routes. He's the guy that could take the top off the defense. And I like uh, David Montgomery over five and a half receiving yards. That could be one mm-hmm. reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to go under, actually, on the receptions for one Jameer Gibbs. I went under three and a half, which is minus 125. But I like Gibbs rushing yards, and I like a Gibbs anytime touchdown. But I think David Montgomery catches at least two balls. So do I. I think Jamison Williams goes over his receiving yards. And I think uh, McCaffrey does as well. And then I took the under on Sam Laporta. Under four and a half receptions. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on now. So that was five and a half. Yes, minus 160 to the under. Now they've dropped it back to four and a half. Minus 135 to the over. So if you want to go under four and a half, it's even money. I would rather take the extra catch and just pay the juice. I don't, I don't love this matchup for Laporta. Um, but it's always scary betting against him because he could easily clear this number right. in the first half. Guy's exactly. a beast, man. Yeah, back to David Montgomery really fast. I, this is actually tomorrow's beat the books. So San Francisco has given up two or more receptions to 26 running backs this year. Yeah. And I think the way that David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are used, I mean, but Jameer Gibbs' number is much higher. David Montgomery's is one and a half at plus money. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, so do Yeah, I. and everybody's going to play the Gibbs receiving props, and I get it. And, I mean, he could also have a big game, but... Uh, I mean, they both can. They It's not like they haven't done that before, you know? Yeah, right. I just really like San Fran's linebackers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that takes away the middle of the field, but also when you have a guy like Greenlaw and a guy like Fred Warner, you could match him up with a running back, you know? And that might be Greenlaw following around Gibbs a little bit. Yep. So I like the shorter numbers, the softer numbers for Montgomery. And I love Brock Purdy passing yards. I wish we got a better mm-hmm. number on him to lead the... Uh, the championship round in uh, passing yards, yeah, but plus you know, that's not great. So I just took the over on the pass. David yards. Montgomery, three catches on four targets for 14 yards last week, had a reception against the Rams uh, for, uh, what? yeah, 11 yards. So, yeah, it can be a little hit or miss, but when everybody's sitting there expecting that from Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery can kind of sneak in and you yeah. know make that happen too. Do you yeah. see the bet MGM's got this uh, total combined receptions, but it's – it, you got a, a lion and a 49er. Okay. Right? So Kittle and Sam Laporta, nine and a half receptions. Over total combined receptions for those two, over nine and a half at minus 135. The under nine and a half is at even money. Mm. Ooh, man. So, Makes it tough because you, you got the Kittle matchup, but we don't know if Debo is going to be healthy. And it's scary, though. You know what I mean? Because McCaffrey could eat, or it could be George I Kittle. think I like the under. And well, So here's what scares me a little bit about the Kittle matchup, too. Because he could easily go over every number and have a huge game and have multiple touchdowns. But also what could happen here is the Lions could get a ton of pressure. You know, and Trent Williams is the only offensive lineman that's any good. Like Yeah, at all. Yeah. yeah. And so you might have to use Kittle a little bit more in pass pro, which takes away from some of those receptions. That's why, See, I like I like McCaffrey in this game receiving. So um, do I. But that's the only thing that would scare me because, man, nine and a half, I'd want to go over on that, but maybe the under is the look because I don't like the Laporta matchup, and maybe Kittle has to be used a little bit more 100%, as an offensive lineman. And George Kittle had a great game uh, against the Packers. Only four receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. So he got the yards, but not the receptions. The g- a game against the Commanders on uh, New Year's Eve, only three receptions there. He just really hasn't gone over. He's only had a couple of games, once against the Buccaneers, once against the Bengals, and against the Ravens. So 
Yeah, I actually, I actually would take the under there. If you want to look at their receptions, total combined receptions, George Kittle and Sam Laporta, 113.5 minus 110 both ways. Yards? Yeah, yards. Got yards. it. So that's where you could get in on that. I'd do the yards over Same. the receptions. Yeah, because, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Kittle's a big play waiting to happen, like you saw against Green Bay. Or I'd do an, another anytime touchdown with Kittle. I'd like I can see Kittle having, I don't know, like 80, 85, 90 yards again and... And uh, Laporta having 40. Yeah. That could be, that's 40 45 is like a really good range for Laporta. I have seven props in this game, and I kind of like the over. I haven't played it yet, though. And then in the uh, in the Ravens game, I got one prop, the under, <laughs> and then the Ravens money line in the first half in full game. Because I just, I don't know what happens in that game, man. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I hope. Watch, it'll end up kind of like game. Mahomes over rushing attempts. Though. Oh, I played that too. Yeah. Yeah. Sloppy game. Yeah. Sloppy game in that. You did, did you do yards and attempts? I did yards and attempts. Yeah, I've Mahomes, done yards. Yeah. I haven't done attempts, but I might actually just Four do that half. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not much. No. So, and especially if the game is going to be what the weather is looking like, it'll be in Baltimore. Going to be a little sloppy. Might have to get out a little bit. I'm, I mean, guys slipping around. Who knows? It, the problem is those are the types of games that are very unpredictable. You start talking about sloppy football. Yeah. It, it, it comes down to maybe one mistake changing everything for that entire game. So we'll see. Another hour coming up. Ben MGM tonight.